0: All right, welcome in everybody to the Important Nonsense Podcast. I am your host Steve Bonham, joined as always by Mister Neil Smith. Neil, how you doing this evening?
1: Good as you're going to do, given the current circumstances, my friend. But enough about that. We got a jam-packed show. We're breaking down the NFC South. It's going to take. It's going to take a long time.
0: <laughs> a lot to get through. Uh, So NFC South, as you mentioned, all advice, rankings, and data based on a typical 12-team PPR league. Ten starters, a quarterback, two running back, three wide out, tight end, flex, defense, and kicker with six bench. The expert consensus is from Fantasy Pros, the ADP from Fantasy Football Calculator. So NFC South, Atlanta Falcons, the coaching staff remain mainly intact for Atlanta except for the addition of former Bucks head coach Raheem Morris as the new DC. They also added a lot of youth on their defense through the draft because they lost a lot of veterans. So switching things over, uh, they're going to be a little behind the eight ball with this weird offseason. Offensively, they lost Austin Hooper to Cleveland and free agency, and they hope to replace him with Hayden Hurst, who they were acquired for pretty much nothing in a trade during the offseason. They also... Brought in uh, a replacement for Devonta Freeman, who's still lingering around out there somewhere, still lurking over the shoulder of Miles Sanders. I was going to say,
1: he'll be with with the Eagles for too long. Don't worry. Don't you worry about that.
0: Uh, They replaced him, though, with former Ram and fantasy stud Todd Gurley, all told they now have 10 of their 11 starters on offense as former first-round picks. So good for them. Is it going to amount to anything? Who knows?
1: But good for no 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 one knows. No one knows really.
0: Uh Matt Ryan, QB extraordinaire, still. I mean, not a lot to talk about here for us. QB eight in the ECR, seven on the site, and for me, six for you, eight in ADP. He he is what he is. He's one of those guys where you wait on QB and you can get him later in your drafts because people seem to hate him, but he has top five potential, and I think he has a solid floor that he should, at the very worst, be a starting QB in every fantasy league.
1: Yeah, there's. I don't see any scenario where he would fall out of the top 10. So even in a 10-team league, I think he would still be a starter. And I'm willing to go as high as six because I am not on the let's all get together and collectively overdraft Kyler Murray hype train. I would much rather wait for a guy like Matt Ryan. It's a little bit more proven, a little bit more stable. And while he may not have the ultimate ceiling, of someone like Kyler Murray, I think the floor is so much less scary for what you're going to have to invest.
0: So let's move on to something a little more controversial. Uh, Todd Gurley, RB15 in the expert consensus and RB15 in the ADP. 12 on our site, 10 for me, and 8 for you. Neil, last year I was a guy loving Todd Gurley, and everybody was completely down on it. I was also a guy loving Le'Veon Bell. We will not talk about that. But I was all in on Todd Gurley last year. I didn't feel like I got burned. I felt like I was I was justified in doing so. You are that guy this year. RB80's in your top ten. Why do you love Todd Gurley this year? Oh
1: boy. What a what an interesting offseason it's been, my friend. Just in terms of going from Devontae Freeman to Todd Gurley, and everybody in the universe seemed to lose their monocle in their drink collectively. And I'm here to tell you that the hate has gone entirely too far. The narrative on Todd Gurley could be summed up as your favorite offseason narrative as washed, done, it's over, don't worry about Todd Gurley, he's done, his knees are degenerating. I'm here to tell you, let's pump the brakes on that. So he's actually going, weirdly, to a better situation than what he was enjoying in the Rams. And I know that that sounds insane, but last season, the Rams offensive unit blocking was 27th in the NFL. The Falcons are at 10. People want to say that the Falcons also don't run the ball enough. That's also a fallacy. They run the ball plenty, and you're not going to see this huge drop-off. Todd Gurley is the guy. He's competing against the tomato can that is Edo Smith. My apologies to Mr. Smith, because I'm sure he's a very lovely person, but nowhere near the skill level of Todd Gurley. There's no one there to siphon targets. And the bigger thing, somebody has to account for the 93 missing targets from last year with austin hooper and there's no logical way that that's just going to go hand in glove to hayden hurst who's been the tidy tight end three in baltimore for his entire career so todd Gurley, i think is going to see an increase in pass catching as well and final thought on this would it shock you to learn because it shocked the hell out of me this offseason todd Gurley, for his career more efficient catching the ball than devonta freeman There it is, folks. So for me, Todd Gurley, lock it in. Top 10 running back. He's going to enjoy the volume. He's going to get a lot closer to those numbers when they had a good unit with the Rams than he did last year. So pump the brakes on the Todd Gurley hate, folks.
0: Yep. Agree with basically everything you said there. Uh, As we've talked about many times, the, the interesting one is, again, to your point, like the run pass splits where the Falcons last year were number two in the league throwing 69.9% of the time, 30.1% for rush plays was 31st. Uh, So total rush plays last year, 326 designed runs. That was 29th out of 32 teams. Even this year, I have them going up a little bit to just 28th. And even with that, as you mentioned, being involved with the targets in the passing game, and the rushes with literally nobody to compete with, Todd Gurley still projects, at RB6. So RB10 for me and 8 for you is being a little bit conservative. It's hedging the bet a little bit. I also think that he destroyed the narrative last year that uh, his knees will keep him from being a successful running back in the NFL. Uh, Ito Smith, Quadre Oleson, Brian Hill, I don't want any of it behind him. This is another situation where there is no clear handcuff and I just don't want it. Would you agree with that assessment as well?
1: 100%. Do not want, would like to avoid, if at all possible. It, I'd say the first guy who would get the first crack is Edo Smith, but we saw that last year, how that panned out for him, and really just not a fan of what he's going to be able to do, even with the volume.
0: Uh, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, the wide receiver room for the Falcons. First of all, Julio, again, not much to talk about, right? Top two for you and me, three on our website, three in ECR, four in ADP. Why does the public hate Julio O'Neal?
1: Oh, they still oh. hold it against him that he doesn't catch enough touchdowns. Yeah, they yeah, hate him That so still exists.
0: fourth amongst yep. wide
1: receivers. Mm, oh. They're furious about it.
0: Uh, tragedy. Uh, Calvin Ridley is the interesting one. Last year, of course, a guy we will talk about in a little bit, Chris Godwin, was going right around wide receiver 20. Uh, in the expert consensus and an ADP, he was the breakout star that everybody predicted he would be and finished as a top 10 guy, borderline top five. So everybody thinks that this year, Calvin Ridley can be that guy. He was on a top 12 pace last season before he got hurt. Now he comes in this year, wide receiver 17 in the ECR 20 on the site, 21 for me, 20 for you, 16, In ADP, there are people out there that have Calvin Ridley in or around their top 10, Neil, which I think they're, they're a little early crowning Calvin Ridley, but I can definitely see the upside. And if I have an opportunity to get him in that range in the top of the fourth round, he's one of those coin flip guys in that area that I enjoy grabbing.
1: Oh, absolutely. If I can get him at where I have him ranked at around wide receiver 20, if he's still sitting there, then I'm a hundred percent pulling the trigger. I just think that people, to your point have moved a little prematurely in terms of crowning him uh, this year. He is the fantasy community's you know, consensus breakout candidate to send from that wide receiver two level because he's been wide receiver 22 uh, finishing each of the last two years, 18 and 19. And I, as you can tell from our rankings, I have him taking a little bit of a leap with mostly due to Hooper leaving, but I don't think that there's a real logical math-based argument for why you could have him at 10.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing too. We talked about currently in ADP, he's going wide receiver sixteen. So you would think that since he's sixteen, I've got him twenty-one, and you at twenty, that you know there's like some kind of huge difference there. But really, I have him at uh, forty-five overall. You've got him at forty-three overall. So we're talking about at least in my case, the ninth pick of the fourth round. You're talking about the seventh pick of the fourth round and wide receiver 16 and ADP is the fifth pick of the fourth round. So it's all in the same general area. It's just a matter of how you got there at that point. So I think we're all pretty much in agreement. What we're not agree- in agreement on is Russell Gage, the hate for Russell Gage. <laughs> the hate I mean, The third guy. And if you're going to have, again, to your point, the amount of opportunities left behind by Austin Hooper we'll get to the Hayden Hurst hype train here in a second, but realistically he's joining the offense for the first time. Todd Gurley were high on, and he will have a ton of rushing opportunities outright, but other than short pass catches out of the backfield, he's not going to be too involved in the passing game initially. So guys that are, have already been there like Russell Gage, I think have a step up, especially at the beginning of the year. And if anything were to happen to Jones or Ridley in this crazy season, then Russell Gage has immediate flex value.
1: Oh, thousand percent. And here's what I would say too. If you would love to see an argument about why Russell Gage isn't so good at football, I highly recommend you check out uh, Mr. Jack Kavanaugh. an important nonsense. (laughs) He put together a lovely 32 break, uh, you know, 32 for 32 effectively in terms of breakout candidates. Went up today, and Russell Gage is heavily mentioned in this one because he covers the South. So here's what I what he would tell you in terms of pumping the brakes by every metric. Russell Gage, athletically, would position himself as a kind of borderline NFL player in terms of speed, athleticism, build. All of his numbers come from PFF, so they're highly vetted. He's got a, he makes a lot of really good points on why you might want to poo-poo Russell Gage a little bit. But here's where yeah. I feel like you might end up getting the situation confused. Mohamed Sanu was on his way to 90 targets last year before he was traded in week seven to the Patriots. Somebody also has to account for the 90 Mohamed Sanu targets that are going to be out there. Russell Gage is the guy who's going to get first crack at the majority of that. So while he may not be the most gifted specimen athletically, the reason why I'm willing to have him at 74, he's going to be involved. He's going to get first crack at this and co-signing what you said a moment ago, if anything was to happen with Julio Jones or Calvin Ridley his ceiling just got so much more attractive than even the 90 target ceiling
0: one of those rare wide receiver handcuffs where he's a guy where if you're heavily especially julio if you're heavily invested in julio jones or you are reaching because you think that calvin ridley can emerge and be that big stud star for you at wide receiver then yeah why not use a last pick or if you're in an expanded a draft this year because of covid or, or you have extra bench spots or, or whatever why not use a little bit of fab or zero because you can probably apparently get them for free grabbing russell gage to to build out your depth
1: and and beyond that there's nothing else i really want from the wide receiver room in atlanta there's there's no i'm not interested in, in christian blake or all no. no, no,
0: the, the rest of it is just the names so we move on to tight end and it's hayden hurst who I mentioned in the beginning acquired for pretty much nothing from Baltimore acquired for nothing for a reason. In my opinion, Yes. Uh, yep. tight end nine in the expert consensus, 15 on our site, 13 for me, 12 for you and eight in ADP. Neil, we had the debate for years, pretty much that outside of like two or three big games, Austin Hooper was fairly useless. In the Atlanta <laughs> offense. And then last year he broke out and in his first six games was the tight end one. He was the number one guy, had a huge start to last season and then got hurt and was never the same when he came back and wasn't nearly as involved for the rest of the season uh, in the games that he did play. So now you've got Hayden Hurst, who's essentially taking over that role. But again, it's a role that sporadically is involved and it's not something I can count on week in and week out. We've talked about several times that basically the 5 to 15 range for tight end is all coin flip. Basically just pick your poison, whichever one you like the most. And for me, if you're telling me that in that exact same range of guys, I can grab somebody in the 11th, 12th, 13th round, as opposed to reaching in the 7th for Hayden Hurst, I feel like I'm going to get similar results for a much cheaper price.
1: Yeah, 100%. And also to the point of... There's also Hayden Hurst, the player. We already mentioned it. He was the third tight end in Baltimore for years. In reality, he's never had to be the guy. And we're coming into a weird offseason situation, as we've referenced, and we'll continue to reference throughout this show, where he's not going to get the normal acclimation period So, which, while we're downgrading rookies. It makes me want to take another look at Hayden Hurst and knock him down a little bit, just because... Yes, he's an NFL veteran, but he's not going to know the system. Is Matt Ryan going to trust him? These are all things we don't know. So to justify the TE, the tight end eight pick in the seventh round, I'd, I'd feel much better about waiting waiting later, to your point, for guys like John U. Smith, Ian Thomas, Irv Smith. These are all guys that are incumbents coming back with their team that they're not rookies and they're going to know the system, whereas Hayden Hurst is it's a lot more risky than I think people want to assign to it.
0: You know, we have Jack track random things and go back and do our, our hot take time machine every once in a while. I'd like him to go through our preseason shows and just try to find how many times we've referenced Janu
1: Smith. Oh, the- at least 50, at least 50. It's going to be more than that. We have two more. Should we have the rest of this show and the next show? He'll come up great. again. And then uh, just to close out the Falcons real quick before we do the defense, which doesn't matter. Spoiler alert. Just two last thoughts. One, part of why they end up going for Hay- Hayden Hurst is because it should be noted, the Falcons are distinctly in cap hell. So that's part of it. They didn't have a whole lot of money to play with, which is also a part of how they rebuild that defense, which we'll get into momentarily with all rookies. And the, the final thought is I've, I actually was able to track it down. Did you know, my gentle listeners, that despite all the hate on Todd Gurley and the narrative about his knees, he had 33 fewer carries from 2018 to 2019? And the offensive run blocking unit went from number one to number 26. And everybody wants to tell me Todd Gurley can't play football anymore. Stop it. Stop it. Get out of here. Get off my lawn with all of this. This this, none of this. This cowboy hat comes right off for all my Family Guy fans out there. This
0: guy's a phony.
1: This guy's have, Come on. Come on now. Todd Gurley, top 10 QB, lock it in, rip the knob off. Running back, excuse me. I said QB.
0: Oh, no, no. Top 10 QB. You You, you know rip- what? That's fine. No, that's fine. Yeah. You know what?
1: Rip the knob off. It's been ripped. It's been ripped. Good. There it is. Perfect. It'll redo my All Matt Ryan ranking.
0: People have been con- cleared for the season, but Neil has not. So no, I will... haven't
1: been. I haven't even been con- cleared for the podcast.
0: We'll get him checked out over the break. We'll be right back. Support for the Important Nonsense Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Hey guys, it's Steve. It's summertime, the temperature is turning up out there, and you know when the heat is turned up, your undercarriage needs to be cleaned up. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Now when I tell you this is premium, I mean it is premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave, take your time, you don't want any accidents down there. And the water resistant technology allows you to even groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates your grooming area. For a closer, more precise trim. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand, people. You wanna show off that mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. Look, if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Just head over to manscaped.com and use promo code nonsense. That's N O N S E N S E. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. One more time. That code is nonsense at manscaped.com to get your 20% off and free shipping today. All right, Niels Carolina. There's a lot of moving pieces going on with the Panthers. They fired Ron Rivera mid season last year and have replaced him with former Baylor coach Matt Rule. The defense is changing a lot, but they still shouldn't be that great. Again, anybody in massive transition this offseason, I'm trying to stay away from. The main focus was on offense. They let go former MVP Cam Newton, and of course, former nothing, Kyle Allen. I mean, that's not fair. He's former something, right? At
1: some Former point. turnover machine, Kyle Allen. <laughs>
0: Well, that would imply he's no longer a turnover machine. Still, we don't know for sure. You
1: know what? That's fair. We don't know that. And that's he's in Washington, so there's every chance. <laughs> turnover every machine chain. continued.
0: But uh, Kyle Allen also gone. So they've replaced him with former Viking and St. quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. They have also signed Robbie Anderson to run opposite DJ Moore and give them some more weapons. They also lost old man Greg Olson to Seattle. A lot of moving parts on this offense and defense. It'll be a whole new look Carolina Panthers. We'll start with Teddy Bridge, QB 26 in the expert consensus and 25 in ADP, which tends to go along those same lines. He's, however, 19 on our site, 16 for you and 14 for me. I love Teddy Bridgewater this year, Neil, mainly because, again, we've talked about this before, he was the Kyler Murray before Kyler Murray he was the hype train in minnesota and then he missed the two seasons because of the horrific acl mcl tear don't google it
1: if you if you if you know if you don't remember it don't google it you don't want to see it
0: his whole knee was destroyed in a practice but he missed the two years he came back comeback story ended up leaving the vikings going down to the saints last season and when he was needed to play In place of Drew Brees, he was extremely efficient with the ball, the same he has been his entire career. He's able to air it out when he needs to, and he can move with the ball as well. He doesn't have a huge rushing floor, but like I said, accuracy, and he does not turn the ball over. Those are key things when you're looking for consistency in quarterback play. And once we get to the back end I feel like because of how much this team is going to trail, because he's going to be able to throw the ball a lot, they're going to amass a lot of yards this season through the air, and Teddy Bridgewater is going to benefit from it.
1: Well, also, too, to that point, we always look for teams where it looks like they'll be able to move the ball, and they're going to have to move the ball through the air because they'll be trailing, and remember last year, the Panthers' defense was an utter tragedy? Well, it's not going to be that much better, folks. It's only going to be marginally better, so, all of that kind of tracks, if you will. And the biggest thing here is you're just looking for a guy with the Panthers who's not going to who's not going to crash the car because they have some very significantly, you know, solid weapons on this team, and he should have no problem checking the ball down to Christian McCaffrey when he gets in trouble hitting DJ. Moore on the intermediate stuff. And I think the reason that he gets dinged in the ECR uh, is it's just not sexy. He's not the guy you're looking to push the ball down the field. He's not the guy who's going to come in with his huge cannon arm and win you, you know, you're weak because he puts up four touchdowns and hits Robbie Anderson twice. That's, that's going to be outliers if it even happens at all. But the floor that you will enjoy with Teddy Bridgewater, because you will not be getting dinged these negative twos for interceptions and fumbles, pushes him up significantly for me and for you. So it's, to me, Teddy Bridgewater is the guy we talked about last week, Daniel Jones being the guy who's going outside the top you know, 15 who could easily get into the top 10 or even top 5. Teddy Bridgewater, for me, is the guy who's going at the end of your draft, no one cares, who is going to be very serviceable for you right in that QB 15 range. And you can have it for nothing. So he's absolutely a guy I have circled yeah, for when we get to the him. back end of drafts. Well,
0: and again, going back to our projections, uh, last year, the Panthers had 717 pass attempts or pass plays, designed pass plays. With Kyle Allen, Will Greer, a couple games before Cam Newton got hurt, that whole disaster that they had going on offensively last season. And now with the new system that they have set up there, they bring in Teddy Bridgewater. I have this passing plays going slightly down that they run the ball a little bit more, but because of his career completion percentage, the amount of yardage he's expected to get, 22 pass touchdowns and 13 touchdowns Interceptions with four rushing touchdowns, he projects as our QB 15. Even if you take away the four rushing touchdowns and just give all of those to Christian McCaffrey, which given the history of this Panthers team would be a mistake, but even if that was the case and he had no rushing touchdowns at all, he'd come in at QB 22. So he would still be higher than where he is in the ECR and in his current ADP. So wherever you can get him, Teddy Bridgewater, a supreme value that you should be looking into. Christian McCaffrey is the running back that we nailed last year, and I don't think we need to mention it much here. I mean, there's no backup. It is, it's the run CMC. That's all it is.
1: Yep, he's the one for everyone. He's number one for us, number one for the community, number one for the ECR, and number one in your hearts.
0: So wide receivers, DJ Moore has been sort of a polarizing guy. He comes in at 11 in the expert consensus because he fluctuates pretty much anywhere between wide receiver six or seven for some people. And as low as mid teens, Uh, people are kind of up in the air. And I think that kind of goes back to the Teddy Bridgewater. They don't know how that's going to affect his play. They don't know how the new offense is going to affect DJ Moore's ability, but nine on our site, nine for me, eight for you. We're clearly not concerned.
1: No. And I think anybody who's overreacting to that is just helping more savvy owners enjoy getting DJ more at value because I think it's going to be more of the same for him. He's going to run a lot of that intermediate stuff that they had him doing before. And Teddy Bridgewater is very effective when he has an athlete like that who can separate in the middle of the field. He's not afraid to throw it. 15 yards down the field. It's anything over 20 that you worry about with Teddy. And that's not really how DJ Moore profiles. That's how the next guy that we're going to talk about profiles. So, no, DJ Moore. I,
0: I have to play this drop at least once a week.
1: Stop trying to make fetch happen. It's not going to happen. I
0: feel like I have to throw that in there way too often because Curtis Samuel, just every year, it feels like we're talking about this all over again. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver 55. 58 on our site, 58 for me, 56 for you. They keep trying to push this narrative that he's the number two guy on the team and that he's the guy you want to own because they have Robbie Anderson at wide receiver 57, two spots behind Curtis Samuel. In the ADP, he's going wide receiver 66. Robbie Anderson, Coolio himself, coming over in free agency from the Jets, gives them a deep threat, that they have only wished that Curtis Samuel could be over the last two or three years. He is wide receiver 46 on us on our site, 45 for me and 46 for you. Robbie Anderson is a guy who is a home run hitter that I am not scared to take, especially with Teddy Bridgewater. Now there at QB.
1: No, they've desperately needed a guy who could stretch the field and they went out and got author of the hit gangsters paradise from the year 2000. Uh, Robbie Anderson to go and stretch the field. So the big takeaway for me for all of this for for Carolina is it's a lot like the Giants that we went through last week because it's a team in transition because they don't know about the quarterback because they have a new coach and they don't they don't know what to make of any of these things. The value is abound if you're willing to take a look at some of these Carolina Panthers, especially in the wide receiver arena because we have him at you know 46 on the site. I'm at 46 as well. He's going at 66. Robbie Anderson is. Even with Teddy Bridgewater's kind of limited ability to throw it down the field and or desire to want to throw it down the field, there's no chance on this earth that he falls as low as as 66. So this is one of those ones where if you're telling me I can have Robbie Anderson in the 14th round, I'd have been comfortable taking him two rounds earlier, just based on on the idea that they got to throw it somewhere and it's not going to be Curtis Samuel.
0: Exactly. Please stop trying to make Curtis Samuel. At
1: least if you want to make the argument for Curtis Samuel, at least there's the idea that in real football terms, there seems to be this thought that they're going to finally put Curtis Samuel back where he belongs in the slot, which is where he should have been the whole time. But they couldn't because they didn't have the personnel. So that should actually help him. He can actually do the job that he's designed to do. The problem then becomes, well, he's going to have to split all of that with Mr. Ian Thomas we'll get into in a little while here. And when you look at the splits for how they throw to the tight end versus how they throw to the slot receiver, that kind of makes Curtis Samuel not as attractive, even though he should be playing his actual job for the first time in, Oh, what? Three years, two years now, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's the,
0: that in the wide receiver room, it's Seth Roberts, Brandon Zilstra, and a name to note is Omar Bayless, but only in dynasty. You can go back to our recap show of the draft with, uh, dynasty phd himself dr john chancy talking about omar bayless in the off season
1: you could also i will also reference uh mr dr john chancy with his selection of omar bayless in our dynasty startup that we're doing in the background with the tagline omar coming so big believer in omar bayless
0: uh so at tight end as you mentioned It's Ian Thomas's turn to take over. They have said as much that he is getting the shot as the tight end one. 21 in the expert consensus, 19 on the site, 21 for me and 18 for you. Again, he's outside of that next tier of tight end for me, but in a tight end premium league, in a two tight end league, he is definitely somebody that I am circling on my page and interested in. As we've seen those short controlled passes, from Teddy Bridgewater, it has a lot of value.
1: It certainly does. And Ian Thomas is also a beneficiary of the idea. Yes, it's a little bit of a different system, but I don't know how demonstrably different it's going to be than from what they've done previously. And Ian Thomas, even when Greg Olson was on the team, was coming into his own. So again, I'll reference Mr. Jack Cavanaugh. Ian Thomas is one of his breakout guys for the Panthers. So it is entirely conceivable that he's a guy that you want to circle because you can have him literally undrafted as far as the ADP is going. And that's a mistake. So if you can get him at the end of your draft for nothing to be your tight end two, even in redraft, I'm all about it because by the end of the year, he has the upside given the system and given that how athletic he really is. And he's a very serviceable pass catcher. He could easily get into that coin flip tight end, 10 tight end, 12, you know, type of range. And that's a guy that you can have literally for nothing.
0: Uh, As I mentioned panthers defense is now hat garbage still don't want that moving on to new orleans Uh, it's it's status quo at this point right i mean the defense stayed the same coaching staff stays the same basically the only thing they did was they added emmanuel sanders to replace ted ginn so i mean profit i don't know i think (laughs) (laughs) uh pretty much it so drew Brees, the old man still there qb10 and expert consensus qb12 on our site 13 for me 14 for you seven qb7 seven in the adp that's all about name value at that point
1: oh 100 percent. and the only area where you're seeing it catch up is the is in dynasty where in dynasty drew breeze is actually down at that you know 14 15 range where you rightfully should be in redraft and i get it you know if you can get one more ride out of the old warhorse and uh you know you're sold on the name then i could see how you would get to qb7 but i'm just not sold that drew Brees is the same guy at this point in his career and also not saying that he would ever get the hook per se but we've seen his efficiency numbers go down year after year after year to the point where it scares me a little bit even with all the weapons and then there's the idea that if he was to get hurt, that you'd be going into the idea where it was Teddy Bridgewater, which was nice and safe last year. Well, this year, if he does get hurt again, Seamus interception Winston with the crab legs. i uh, not not a that is not going to look the same, Steve, as yeah. we know, as Teddy Bridgewater no. being your backup quarterback
0: I tell you because he will be able to throw the ball a ton and. If he were to, to step in there, he has the pass catchers and the ability to, to turn it on. So he could be a fantasy stud if anything were to happen to Drew Brees in that system. But yes, I, I'm with you. Drew Brees is one of those guys who, if he's my starting quarterback this year, I don't hate it, but it's because I waited forever on QB. It's not because I took one in the seventh round, which is his current ADP. At that price, I won't own any Drew Brees, and I'm perfectly okay with that.
1: I am too, and I would suggest that savvy fantasy football players should wait, let someone else eat that poison pill that is Drew Brees in the 7th while you sit there and amass skill position, guys, and take a look at our man Danny Dimes down there in New York. You can have infinitely cheaper than what you'll get out of the Drew Brees.
0: Uh, Alvin Kamara, again, not a ton to talk about here. Starting running back. He's number three in the expert consensus, three for me and you, four on our site, four in ADP. Like I said, there's not a lot to talk about other than the fact that last year he did look slightly off compared to where he's been. And it came out a few days ago that last year, basically, he tore his knee to shreds you know. in week six and played the whole season with it. I was just going to mention that.
1: Prepared. Yeah. So it's so, amazing that he was able to do what he did with a completely shredded knee that he took, you know six games into the season so for all the people who want to say oh he looked terrible oh there's a really good reason and it's not something I expect to hurt him this year or long term it's he seems to be pretty well recovered from that
0: and it's one of my favorite Leonard Fournette stats but I will bring it up for him as well because it also applies over the last three years there have been just three running backs in PPR scoring that in points per game have finished inside the top 12, so they've been an RB1 each of the last three years. It is Fournette, it is Zeke, and it is Alvin Kamara. So take him in the top of your draft and take it to the bank. Uh, Latavius Murray is the backup. We saw forever with Mark Ingram that that was a legitimate number two that would have weekly upside, so you could play him in a flex role if you needed it, and we saw that if Kamara ever missed time, Latavius Murray is a top 10 guy. So if you could own the duo, great. But even if you can't own the two of them together, Latavius Murray is one of those weird, rare scenarios where he's someone that I'd want to own at running back, even if I don't own the primary guy.
1: That is correct. He's a, I, In my mind, he's a mandatory handcuff for the Alvin Kamara owner. You really need to be mm-hmm. making sure that you do that. And even if the Kamara owner you know, doesn't want to pull the trigger early, uh, he has value on his own. So this is someone that I would be happy to own, you know, in 2020, whether or not I have Camara also, because if something was to happen to Camara or didn't happen to Camara, either way, Murray's going to have an insane amount of value as a trade piece later on in the season. So right. that's absolutely yeah. the kind of guy that I want to sit on and cash out on it way higher than what I had to put into it.
0: Yeah, he's 41 in the expert consensus and ADP. 36 on our site and for you 38 for me. So we're all kind of in line there outside of that. Again, don't want Ty Montgomery. Ricky Ortiz is the fourth guy who hopefully we don't have to see this year. That would be
1: fantastic. That would be lovely.
0: Michael Thomas, of course, again, wide receiver one across the board, nothing to talk about here. It's Emmanuel Sanders that we need to discuss. He's going wide receiver 42 in the expert consensus. 45 on our site. He's 51 for me and 50 for you. We're both a little bit down on Michael Thomas's overall production and numbers. Uh and what that simply means is that in terms of like overall ranking and in terms of where I'd personally want Michael Thomas is going to be a little bit later in the first round than generally what you might think. Um but it's because I feel like Emmanuel Sanders every year in his career to this point, that he has been healthy every year that he has played at least four. I forget if it was 14 or 15 games when we talked about this, but every year that he's played at least 14 or 15 games, Emmanuel Sanders has gotten over 100 targets. So I haven't played projected out the full season, but only getting to 79 simply because they don't pass the ball to the wide receivers as much. But we don't know if that was, you know, the, the factor of they've got Cook and they've got Kamara. Or if it's a factor of, it was Ted Ginn as the other option before. Uh, I mean, they gave 185 targets to Michael Thomas. So who knows? Maybe they would have started the other wide receivers. They 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 might. (laughs) his numbers. Um, Even then, Emmanuel Sanders to us only projects at 51, which is where I've got him. He's going 39 in the ADP right now.
1: Yeah, I think this is also a factor of how people view the Saints, where they're saying, oh, it's a high-powered offense, and they're returning everybody, and look at Emmanuel Sanders, and it's hilarious to me because we watch Emmanuel Sanders most years when he was with the Broncos especially just get crushed in ADP, and he was a value because everybody was out on him, mostly largely because the QB situation in Denver has been atrocious up until, well, we'll see how this year goes. That's a situation where I think because he's been able to improve his situation, the people want to just kind of paint by numbers. Oh, it's Emmanuel Sanders. He's the wide receiver too for the saints. Look at all this, this, you know, untapped potential this offense has. And for me, it's like with a healthy Camara with cook coming back with Michael Thomas still there. There's just a lot of mouths to feed, especially based on the idea that we haven't even gotten there, but like Taysom Hill keeps stealing targets and is on the field playing quarterback in his weird wonky way in this system. It caps some of the the upside that I think Sanders could really have. And it's just too much of a risk for me to want to get in there at the wide receiver 40 price point. I'd be much more comfortable at the wide receiver 50 price point.
0: Yeah. If I could get him where we've got him, I mean, we both have him at, I've got him at 123 overall. You've got him at 122. So if I could get him there, if I could get him in the tenth round or the eleventh round, sure. But to take him at the end of the eighth is a little rich for me. There's there's more guys in that range that I'd much rather have. And Traquan Smith is unrosterable at this point. I mean, we saw last year, even without Emmanuel Sanders there, there was no target competition, and he still wasn't involved in the offense. So. I'm not buying the, the idea that he's somebody that you should be looking at,
1: even in Dynasty. No, and like, I'm not buying into this 2018 narrative that people want to keep pushing. Where it's like, look at what he did in 2018. Two years ago, it might as well have been five years ago for me. It's just not something that I'm going to uh, carry forward with him. So no, he he's not something I'm interested in rostering at all.
0: Jared Cook, tight end 12 in the expert consensus. 14 on the site and for myself, 16 for you. And 11 in the adp again this is just a factor to your point of people over drafting saints people was very high on this offense and team in general the defense is along the same lines uh seven in the expert consensus five for me six for you in our site and nine in the adp so just people loving to draft those saints we saw it with breeze we've seen it with sanders and now we're seeing it with jared cook just higher than they should be
1: given what his actual production was last year and how inconsistent he was not just last year but really for most of his career outside for that one year with the raiders uh i'm i'm not sold on this jared cook t- you got to you got to get him you know as a Borderline top ten tight end situation. Jack, go ahead and mark this one down too. If you're telling me that I could have Johnu Smith like three rounds later for free, <laughs> uh, then that's what we're gonna do. Because there's there's just no value left on Cook at that point. Could he theoretically get into that top five at tight end? I guess, but I could make that argument about like eight guys. That's how yeah. tight end works right now. It's total mess. And outside of those top four. We say we've been saying this at every level outside of those top four at tight end. Realistically, any maybe five if you want to put Waller in there. Beyond that, I'm just waiting. Unless you want to yeah. make the conscious decision to take one of those guys that you can set it and forget it. My advice is going to continue to be wait, get some huge value later on, and and don't fall into this bear trap that is overpaying for Jared Cook in the 10th round. That is That is not a way to build your team.
0: Yeah, and I mean, that's what I was saying too earlier in the year like it's at what point neil like how many how many seasons do we have to go through how much time has to pass before we can all just sit down as a community in the fantasy football industry and say that Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham was just a perfect marriage and that individually doesn't matter <laughs> Drew Brees and a tight end doesn't matter. Jimmy Graham with any other QB doesn't matter. It's just that was a perfect combination for whatever reason that just worked out so beautifully. And we just have to stop with the narrative that, oh, it's a tight end with Drew Brees. And you know how he loves those. And, oh, it's Jimmy Graham. We've seen what he can do. You got to love that. I think Every- at some point. We just have to agree that that's just not going to happen anymore.
1: Well, every year that goes by seems to be another brick in that wall of this was the outlier, uh, folks, not the actual offensive design for any of this, especially given that the team has changed so much since then. You now are talking about, you know, we're going to get into it in a moment, but they went and paid a pretty penny to bring in Adam Troutman. And they also have Taysom Hill on the team who might as well play tight end for them. And it just. They're going to get the ball to any number of their playmakers. They love to spread it around. And it was it's, the Jimmy Graham thing was kind of an anomaly because he was what? How many years ago was that? Three, four years ago. And he was three, four years younger. That was before all the injuries to Graham and Breeze himself was three, four years younger. And they didn't have the weapons that were as diverse on right. those teams that they do now. Where now they want to come at you like a Swiss army knife. Whereas before it was, nah, we kind of need to feature this guy, Camara. And we need to, we need to, you know, really force feed Jimmy Graham, you know, in the red zone and in the end zone for those targets. He's never done that realistically any other time breeze nor Jimmy Graham has ever been that person.
0: But yeah, you mentioned Adam Troutman, uh, their rookie draft pick again, you never want rookie tight ends in their first year, but Troutman is a guy who down the line could have some kind of value in this offense. For me, the biggest thing is when you go flyers. Let's go about Jimmy Graham years. You're talking about they had Brandon cooks in the early part of his career. They also had, um, why, why can't Marcus Colston? I can never remember Marquis Colston's name. Uh, but he was the other guy, the undrafted The, the downside
1: of, of the team. Marcus Colston experience too. It yep. was towards the At end it. of his career
0: and they had no big wide receivers. They had Ted Ginn was just coming in there, learning the offense, but that was it. I mean, they had nobody where now the person that is in the Jimmy Graham, quote unquote, Jimmy Graham role is Michael Thomas. He plays in the slot. He's catching those underneath passes. The reason he gets so much volume is because that drew Brees doesn't chuck the ball down the field. Like he used to, he likes to throw those short, consistent dip and dunk plays and check down constantly giving you the safest throws possible. That's Michael Thomas. That's what Michael Thomas does. It's his whole job. So nobody, especially nobody like Jared Cook, is going to come in and steal that role away from Michael Thomas and what he does and do it even remotely close to as well as Michael Thomas does it.
1: To that so, point, yeah. the only time that Jared Cook was having value in the in the end zone and the red zone is when teams were selling out and putting two, sometimes three guys on michael thomas and daring you to beat them with anyone else so jared cook is walking into the end zone just with his arm up and there's nobody there that was when he was having his success and i don't know that you can count on that week in week out not something i want to count on for sure
0: well here's your shot neil i mean we've waited all week you got your got your Taysom hill jokes ready because i mean you can line them up, <laughs> rattle, right them up. The time. rattle them off
1: rattle them off uh, first of all, it's interesting that we have to list Taysom Hill as a tight end because that's what he effectively is. Uh, get off my lawn with this Taysom Hill as the heir apparent quarterback in in New Orleans. They would not have gone out and made the move to have Jameis Winston come in if they really totally believed that, that Taysom Hill was actually capable of being any kind of NFL starting level quarterback at any point. That's all just smoke and mirrors. It's this hand jive. That's going on, and really, Taysom Hill just exists to be this nexus of, of value for the Saints. That he just siphons off value from the other guys. He's a fantasy remora fish, is what's going on there. He has no value in and of himself, but he is there just to siphon value away from all the ancillary players, in New Orleans. It is maddening. It is frustrating that that exists because. How many times as a Camaro owner, I can speak to this from personal experience. How many times are you watching them get into the red zone? And then suddenly they're throwing a dump off Taysom Hill or Taysom Hills, running the wildcat and takes off and runs it in. Maddening, just maddening. Get out of here, Peyton. Get out of here with this, this Taysom Hill nonsense of of, We're going to have him be a quarterback and he has no value because in a lot of, in a lot of sites, in a lot of formats, you can't play him at, at tight end, which is what he should be playing. So to me, Taysom Hill only has value in my fantasy league leagues where you could list him as a tight end and actually play him that way. And even then he's not even a tight end. I want, so stop it, stop it with this whole Taysom Hill narrative folks. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having this conversation every year. I'm burnt out on it. A little bitter as somebody who loves Kamara and rosters Kamara in a lot of my personal leagues, stop it. Get out of here with this tomato can.
0: Yeah. We talked about this in the off season too, the fact that first of all, it kind of breaks our rankings, right? Uh, on Fantasy Pros, it lists Taysom Hill as a quarterback. It won't even let you list him as a tight end. So in our expert rankings, he's not listed at all on our site or with you. Lists him as my QB thirty-one, which is inaccurate. Uh, he's actually my what would be my QB thirty-three. However, because I have to list him as in my ranks as a tight end, it doesn't allow that. So he is my tight end twenty-nine uh he went from he went from QB 32 to tight end 29 not a big jump not something i'm interested in not something you can count on on a week in and week out basis it's just kind of a waste of a roster spot if you've got Taysom Hill on your team the only way i'm co- interested in it at all is in dynasty because for whatever reason to your point they continue to have Taysom Hill be involved in the game and Sean Payton seems to have some kind of master plan in his head that for a team that is so pushed up against the cap that has no money to do literally anything that next year they have Jameis is on a one-year deal. Drew Brees is on a one-year deal. So they have no quarterback next year, except Taysom Hill who's due to make like $15 million and a majority of it is guaranteed. They can't even get out of that contract.
1: And no so, one would take it from you. No yeah, one will take that from you in the league. I have
0: some kind of crazy master plan for Taysom Hill going forward. So for nothing in a dynasty league on the back end of my bench, I'll take it. But that's about it. And still feel it.
1: still feel like I need a shower after I do it. Like, got to get the grime off. And then to go to further this weird rabbit hole that Peyton seems to be going down. They want to do the same thing with this guy, Tommy Stevens, the same thing they want to do. So they don't even, how, how much, how do you like Taysom Hill? Really? When in reality, we're already lining up backups with that, with Tommy Stevens to be that weird gadget kind of tight end quarterback hybrid type of thing.
0: My point though, is they got Tommy Stevens in the seventh round. Of the draft this year today, they declared him officially as a tight end on their roster uh, so they can hold him so they can hold Taysom Hill as their third uh, emergency quarterback and keep Tommy Stevens on the roster active as well. But as a tight end, so it's just weird to me that, like I said, they've lined it up where there's no breeze and there's no Winston next year. Taysom Hill seems to be the clear starter in New Orleans next season and now you've got this young 7th round guy who is built the same as Taysom Hill who you're going to try to use the same as Taysom Hill and he looks like he could be the backup quarterback next year and you're also using utilizing him as a tight end that's right so it looks like that's just going to be the full on plan that this is just it is what it is and it's just Sean Payton thinks he's the smartest dude in the room
1: And, you know, I could almost see why he would think that, you know, given his track record. It makes sense. I understand. But at the same time, for a team that hasn't been able to get over the hump and win that second Super Bowl, you just got to question some of the decision-making here for some of this. And I think this is the last ride out pretty clearly. The cards are all on the table for this current iteration of this team. So you can read the tea leaves if you like for Dynasty, but for me... The only thing that I really like dynasty-wise uh, that you really, really want to build around is Michael Thomas and, to a lesser extent, Alvin Kamara. That's it as far as dynasty pieces for me, for the Saints. I'll, I'll let everyone else fight over the scraps.
0: All right, Neil. Well, let's, uh, let's hit the showers here, as you mentioned. Let's get this Taysom Hill grime, oh, grime off
1: of it. me. It's horrible.
0: And then we will uh, we'll come back here after the break. All right, Neil. I don't know if you've heard this story or not, but Tampa Bay has a new quarterback.
1: I got to redo all my rankings. What?
0: We talked about Jameis leaving and going to the Saints. And you're like, wow, who could their new quarterback be now in Tampa Bay? I know. I wish there was more media coverage of it. I wish literally anybody had talked about it this whole offseason.
1: Nobody mentioned it. It's weird.
0: But no, nobody mentioned it. Tampa Bay. They, they signed Tom Brady to come on down. Play for the Bucks. You and I talked about this in free agency when it first happened. That Tom Brady, if he was going to sign anywhere, it made sense to go to the NFC. Because in the AFC, you've got Lamar, you've got Pat Mahomes, you've got Deshaun, you've got the Bills on the upswing. There's a lot of reasons to run away from the AFC. Whereas in the NFC, what are you competing with, really? I mean, there's,
1: there's not a ton there. There's the Saints that we just talked about, but that's a one-year type of deal. Maybe you could stretch it to two the years if you country. were to be able to be.
0: You've got you could be a wizard of the cab Rogers, With Aaron Rodgers, and luck. then it's like a rotating door of NFC West candidates who just interchange every season of who's going to go to the Super Bowl. It was the Rams, and then it was the Niners, and now apparently, according to the fantasy industry, it'll be Arizona this year. So congratulations best, to best those. of luck
1: with that. I wish you well in that endeavor. I certainly would not be putting my house up on that in Vegas. So us not, I I'd advise against that.
0: We'll get into that next week for sure. But, but first we'll talk about Tampa Bay. So they added depth and they're trying to flip the defense around. They added some veteran pieces through free agency. They also got some guys through the draft. Again, when you have, you're talking about Tom Brady, you're talking about guys coming in to chase a ring. And, and it's very interesting that of all the places he could go in the NFC, he went to probably the most competitive division. So it's yes. I don't know how great of a choice that was, but we'll find out because they signed Tom Brady. They added some weapons for him. He already had two amazing weapons that we'll talk about in Evans and Godwin, but they got Tyler Johnson and Keyshawn Vaughn in the draft. They signed LaShawn McCoy recently for some running back depth. And they brought in his best friend Gronk to play tight end. So Tom Brady, QB eleven in the ECR, eight on our site, eight for me, seven for you, nine for the ADP. There's not a ton to talk about.
1: No, nope, it kind of is what it is. There, we like the weapons. I don't think Tom is totally washed. And if and again, there was any where... for it, no, 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 I would not reach for it. But <clears throat> would I absolutely, you know, laugh you out of the room if you were to take him in the eighth round at QB nine? No, I would not because I think that you're. You're actually getting a, a decent little return there on that one, given, given the ceiling that Tom Brady still could have, even with his limitations that have been developing as he ages in terms of pushing the ball down the field. I still think even if he's just going to be captain checked down, the efficiency is still there and the weapons are good enough to kind of wallpaper around that problem.
0: Yeah. And Ryan Griffin has been the backup there pretty much since Fitzmagic left. So I think that's, fine it is what it is but from fantasy purposes if Brady went down I think it's over uh Keyshawn Vaughn at the running back position was the rookie they drafted they still have Rojo they also brought in LaShawn McCoy they still have Dara Gumbawale who led the team in running back targets last year it's a huge jumbled mess in this backfield however The ECR and ADP seem to believe that Ronald Jones is the answer. So does Dr. Dynasty, by the way, and Jason. They all seem to believe that Ronald Jones is the guy. And look, he's only 23. He's still a young guy. He's only been in the league for two years before this. But to me, drafting a second-round running back and signing LaShawn McCoy in free agency and keeping Derek Goomba Wale around when they had an opportunity to get rid of him signifies to me that when you already didn't utilize Ronald Jones, you're really not comfortable using Ronald Jones. And if I had to take a shot on anybody, it would be the guy who to this point hasn't had a shot yet because why, why not? We know what Ronald Jones is and it's not good. At this point in his career, we've seen what LaShawn McCoy is and it's not very good. He's over the hill and Darragun Bawale is a pass catcher, but he's not a between the tackles runner. So I think that job is going to end up being Keyshawn Vaughn's. And while at the beginning of the season, it may start out as Ronald Jones job by the end of the year. I think Keyshawn uh, Vaughn is your three down back and I can get him for a song right now. He's 42 in the expert consensus 32 on our site, 28 for me, 31 for you. And he's going 45 at the end of the ninth round in ADP.
1: Oh yeah. And given that you and I are both going to own Vaughn in just about every league. So it's one of those situations where the real knock on Ronald Jones for me and Jack Havanaugh brings this up in his most recent breakout bust uh, piece. Check that out on the site. It went up today. Uh, the big knock against Ronald Jones for me and why I have him so depressed is his pass blocking numbers are abysmal. Ronald Jones cannot pass protect. Okay, so that's a problem in and of itself. He was bad in college. For a full deep dive, check out Jack's article, I'm telling you. He breaks it down by the numbers. But just as a summation of it, Ronald Jones, bad at pass pro. That's what you need to know about this. So in week four, when they play the Chargers and Joey Bosa eats Tom Brady alive on one of these planes because Ronald Jones misses a block. Well, that's going to be the end of that. Ronald Jones is going to go find himself on the bench. And then look at the guys who are on the team. Vaughn, we haven't seen him do it in the NFL yet, but he was a very proficient pass blocker uh, in college. He was just a really good college prospect all around, but he excelled in pass pro. LaShawn McCoy, what does LaShawn McCoy do well, even though he can't really give you the old shady magic with running the ball, he still catches the ball really well. And where does he really excel? Pass pro. Nobody can stop LaShawn McCoy when he's back there chip blocking. So that's pretty telling. And believe it or not, despite the fact that Derek Ogunbowale in reality is like 5'7", although he looks like he's four feet tall on an actual NFL team, really excels in pass pro, despite the fact that he's incredibly small. But his whole career, going back to probably high school, I'd have to imagine, is doing that job. It's pass pro and catching dump off passes and running the occasional route out of the backfield. So I think it's very telling. That, that that when you go out and get Tom, that you rebuild your running back room with a pass pro type of focus. It it tells me, it spells doom to me for Ronald Jones. And if you're telling me that that's the case, LaShawn McCoy is never going to give you the full season. Derek Bawali is never going to be the between the tackles runner for that team or any team in the NFL. And Ronald Jones can't do the job. And by the way, let's keep in mind when he came into the league, he was 20 and he was eating nothing but McDonald's and was on the Eddie Lacy health plan. Uh, from for those of you who have a long memory, Eddie Lacey, famous for being overweight, he seems to have righted the ship in that regard in terms of conditioning. But at the same time, if he can't do the job, pass pro Tom Brady is going to get the giant vaudeville hook <laughs> and he is going to be out of there. He's going to be on that bench for the rest of the season while Vaughn McCoy and Ongawali. And by the end of the year, I think Vaughn is going to finish the highest, he's going to be the one you want, and I can have him for nothing. <laughs> I can have him for what I would be willing to pay for what people are paying Ronald Jones for. I think people are doing the math on this entirely backwards.
0: Yes, agreed. Again, right now, RB45 for Keyshawn Vaughn. And to put that in perspective, in ADP, they've got uh, Ronald Jones going RB29. You and I both have Ronald Jones going where Vaughn is in the ADP, and we have Vaughn going where Jones is. So we've basically just flipped the starting job. But what's interesting is Agumba Wale, eighty-one in the expert consensus, but sixty-one on our site, fifty-eight with me, and sixty-two with you. We're talking PPR. He led the team last year, or not the team, obviously, but he he was led the backfield in targets with forty-six. Ronald Jones had forty and was not good with the opportunities he got. So Agumba Wale is the guy that we had leading the backfield again in pass catches, but Vaughn has the ability and skill set to be a three down back and eventually take that job as well. Even then, I think Agumba Wale has a strong shot at the beginning of the year, at the very least, to be productive and have some kind of fantasy value. Enough so that I would take him in the 14th, 15th round as an upside flyer.
1: Especially if I was thin at running back. That's absolutely the kind of thing I'm looking for because in PPR, his floor is going to be pretty good, even if he only gets you know, at that pace, he'd be talking about, you know, a handful of targets a game. If he was able to project that out for a full season and get a real workload where he was getting five, six targets a game, that would be enough in PPR to make him rosterable, especially if he could get any of that running back job at all. Because as we know from hashtag Dion Lewis, you, you can't, you can't have a guy on the field like that and then never run in between the tackles because defenses will scheme against you. So he's going to have to get something, and I think this is a classic misstep here because the Ronald Jones hype train is going off the rails, and it's, I, to me, it creates value for all three of the other guys who are all the guys that savvy, that savvy drafters should be looking at. Don't fall into this obvious Ronald Jones bear trap. I will, I will be blown away if Ronald Jones is even able to get to his, his 2019 numbers, because I just don't see it happening unless he suddenly is going to learn how to pass protect.
0: Yeah, one of the favorite things I've seen throughout the entire offseason was the the tweet about the fact that based on ADP and based on expert consensus, we've basically just decided that CEH is no matter what the workhorse back in KC, that Jonathan Taylor has completely beaten out Marlon Mack and is the number one running back, that Cam Akers has beaten out Daryl Henderson and is the number one back in la malcolm
1: brown with like a word
0: that deandre swift has beaten out carryon johnson undisputed number one running back in detroit but somehow ronald jones can't be touched <laughs> and is the undisputed number one running back and Keyshawn vaughn is just hot garbage yep So that's that's basically what adp is saying right now and if you feel that any of those other rookie running backs have the clear cut starting job, but don't think that Keyshawn Vaughn, who is at least as good as most of those prospects <laughs> can somehow not beat out Ronald Jones, who is the worst,
1: the worst incumbent. He's the, the worst incumbent by far
0: incumbent. Then I don't understand what you're looking at. I just, don't I don't care. either.
1: No, the, the, the math on this is completely skewed and wonky and, That's what savvy drafters need to know is that Ronald Jones is the actual poison pill here. And it's crazy to your point that the narrative on this seems to go completely opposite of every other narrative, which is funny because most years, as we know, the shiny new toy theory, which is what we're seeing here. All the shiny new toys are set to outkick the incumbents, except in Tampa Bay. Doesn't make any sense.
0: And this is one interesting one, too. So we'll move on to the wide receivers. Uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. We all pretty much agree here. Wide receiver 10 for Evans in the ECR, six for Godwin. On our site, it's six and five. I have Evans at four, Godwin at six, because again, he's the big play guy and he's the guy that more fits the skill set to Brady, in my opinion. Uh, You have it the same way, pretty much five and six. ADP is eight and six. So everybody agrees across the board that it's two top 10 guys. Uh, So there's not a a ton to discuss there. Tyler Johnson is a rookie upside who's going to play the slot and have a role. We talked about Scotty Miller last year, as well as Justin Watson, guys who saw some playing time, but mainly it was Brashad Perryman at the end of the season. They threw the ball a whole bunch. Uh, The Patriots threw a ball uh, the whole bunch last year, so I'm not overly concerned about Tom Brady coming in and affecting the value a lot there. The biggest thing for me has been the tight ends. And I would, would you agree? We don't really have a lot to talk about with the wide receivers.
1: No, the wide receivers pretty much are what they are. We're it's all going in line with, uh, ECR and ADP for the most part, especially with Godwin that's lines up across the board. a thing. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, you have a little bit of value. I will say before we dovetail off wide receivers at Mike Evans, because he is getting dinged. He's only 10 in the ECR. He's being out drafted at eight. We have him at you know, 4, 5, and 6, respectively. So I would say if Mike Evans falls, don't be scared. Don't, don't listen to the ECR that tells you it's at 10. Because I think right. you've got if, – if, if you can get him all, at 10, I'm all over that.
0: Also, I would say I'm not drafting them at that current value, if that makes sense. Because, as I've talked about several times, weird offseason right? Learning the new offense, new yes. moving pieces coming in. We're going to, especially with no preseason now, you're going to see some of these teams with new QBs and new players in new places struggle at the beginning of the season. That first month is going to be a train wreck yes. for teams that are not carried over mainly from last It's
1: going to be slop even for incumbent teams. It's going to be with no preseason, like those first four to six games are going to look a lot like preseason games.
0: So, for Tampa Bay, you're going to have Tom Brady adjust into the offense. And what is his go-to? Well, the one thing that he's going to know and feel good about is Gronk. And he's got Rob Gronkowski, who is 13 in the expert consensus. 13 on our site. 15 with me. 14 with you. Tight end 6 in the ADP. <laughs> you, Gronk's you guys killing ADP. me. Killing me with this. So, I agree that at the beginning of the season, Gronk is probably going to lead this team in targets while Brady gets on the same page with the wide receivers, while he learns the offense, while he gets adjusted to everything happening in Tampa Bay. So after week four, once everything kind of turns the page a little bit, at that point for me, Gronk is going to be a great sell high. Mm Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. he's going to be a great or he's going to be a great sell high. You'll have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who potentially could be great buy low candidates because they're probably going to struggle in the first month or so of the season. And people say, oh, I paid this for Chris Godwin and I've got nothing out of it. Or I paid this for Mike Evans and got nothing out of it. And they'll be willing to move on from those guys. Or, I mean, depending on the league and the format, maybe you can flip Gronk and something to get one of those other guys. But uh, again, at his current price tag of tight end six in the back end of the sixth round, I think you can pretty much identify which team is going to finish twelfth in your draft and out of your <laughs> coming out of the draft. <laughs> league. It's just a matter of you know who the other eleven. Where do they slot in? Because yep. that's horrible, horrible use of a draft pick.
1: That high, especially in the sixth round, when you're talking about I'm looking at my, you know, third or fourth wide receiver, or I'm talking about like my third running back. These are these are things that I need to have to play. And even when you're comparing it against I mean, we just sat here, folks, for an hour, an hour and change, and talked about, you know, hey, don't reach on tight end, don't reach on tight end. Man, I would be so much happier spending that 10th round pick on Jared Cook. <laughs> and and I'm telling you not that's too rich for my blood. There is no universe where Rob Gronkowski is going re- is going to return a 6th round pick for you, especially cuz you're banking entirely on that point that he's going to play all 16 games and he's going to and he's going to play at the same clip roughly for most of it. I just feel like you're drafting a name at that point. You you know Gronk, and you know that he was tight end one for so long. But, man, the issue here is, what do you suppose the odds are, Steve, that Rob Gronkowski plays all 16 games? What do you suppose that the actual odds are on that?
0: I mean, 70%?
1: So you layer that in, and then the idea with, what do you suppose that he plays at the same clip the whole time, that he doesn't wear down at all?
0: Zero percent.
1: There, There you go. So that's my concern. Remember the time two years ago before he retired that Rob Bronkowski had to make a tackle uh on the hook and ladder play in Miami, and it looked like his bones disintegrated on national television? And it looked like uh he was playing like a fat kid in a snowsuit out there. What's he's had a year off. What do you suppose his conditioning is that's gonna that's gonna warrant his ability to stay at this clip? I this just I'm has
0: look to be fair he was the longest reigning 24 7 champion in wwe history
1: oh yeah that's right that's fair we got to give him credit for that he did actually manage to pull that little feet off it's um this has bad idea written all over it covered in gasoline
0: young i understand that he was you know tom brady's bff and he's gonna be his familiar target at the beginning of the year i laid all that out i get it that's fine in 2018 on his 13 games, on a points-per-game basis in PPR, Rob Gronkowski, at 10.1 points, was tight end 9. So you're taking him now at tight end 6 after a year of rust, after a year of doing nothing. He's still the same guy, but he's definitely not going to give you the... I mean, he's not even as productive as where you're drafting him right now. You're drafting him beyond his ceiling at this point in his career it's just it's pure madness to think that he could i don't even think he'll be able to reach that top 10 clip that he was at before
1: no because what did he do in the year that he had off that we know about right he signed a deal to sell cbd oil to people which he (laughs) won't which he won't be able to use more than likely now give i don't know whether they're allowing that in the nfl whole other whole other podcast probably about that and uh He did that. And as to your point, he was the longest reigning (laughs) twenty-four WWE (laughs) champion. What what leads me to believe that he was in the gym planning his comeback to football for the majority of that duration? Maybe he healed up a little bit and some of those lingering injuries have gotten better. But I have no evidence to suggest that. And to your point, drafting him above where we saw him, you know, at the last iteration of his career on a team now by the way that has better and more numerous weapons than what the patriots were trotting out there for a good chunk of that that he had to get the ball more i this again to what i said before i'll repeat it this seems like a bad idea soaked in gasoline ready to explode at this adp i am running from this
0: outside of julian edelman you had gronk and then what
1: uh Josh Gordon intermittently was Barely. part of that. Yeah. Intermittently, as I said, and then you had
0: good mm, when he was there. I mean, yeah, you had then, um, two last year that wasn't good yet. Yeah, and, and one game,
1: mom, it wasn't even there in 2018 I'm trying to do the 2018 oh, roster. Oh, yes, it was yes, like yes, John yes. Brown for parts of it and literal nothing. Just James white. Yeah. And, they're all
0: James white. He's you know, my White was, and still is. That with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, he has two better pass catchers than he's had in his entire career on any team. I I mean, you had to go
1: way back
0: with uh, Wes Welker and Randy Moss tag teaming. So long ago
1: that it doesn't matter.
0: Oh, seven. I mean, other than that, you can't name a better set of weapons that he's had to work with in his entire career. So to think that Gronk will just step in. Look, I'll give you this. Tight end six is probably where the Buccaneers tight end will finish. If you just took all three guys and combined them into one person, that's maybe that could possibly happen, but you still have OJ Howard there who is a younger, more athletic Rob Gronkowski. Who
1: who we hate by ECR and is going undrafted, which is hilarious. We hate him as a website, but the public hates him infinitely more than we ever could. In OJ Howard, that's insanity as well.
0: And then Cameron Brate, who always finds his way into the end zone two or three times a season. And Tom Brady in his career doesn't just focus, even with Rob Brunkowski, never just focused in on one tight end. He still spreads the ball around and they run two tight end sets. We the can get Bucks
1: into that, but it's kind of... The, the,
0: <laughs> the Bucks have said as much, though, that they plan to run a lot of two tight end sets this year and utilize Howard and Brate. They're not dead. They're going to be on the field and be involved in the game plan. So the idea that Gronk is going to get so much of the target share that he's going to be able to just dominate and be a top 10 guy again is ludicrous.
1: It doesn't make any sense. And and again, that's the whole... <laughs> Folks, if you're telling me that you think he's going to start the season and finish the season at the same clip and it's going to be that good, then I I have, I have this bridge that I want to sell you in New York City. And get at me about that on Twitter, because I'll get you the paperwork for that. Because there's, there's, there's a 0% chance that this happens. To your point, even if the other two guys didn't play the season, which isn't going to happen, I don't think that, this, that it would even be possible for him to get to TE6 if it was just him. So avoid, avoid, avoid. And my final note on the Buccaneers before we wrap it up, uh, Tyler Johnson, for us, and the public hates it, just hates it. So use this to your advantage. Uh, for important nonsense, Steve's got him at 78. I've got him at 81. ECR has Tyler Johnson at 113. We had to ding Tyler Johnson just because of the uh, the truncated offseason yeah, and the, him being a rookie. Under normal circumstances, I'd have had him higher than that. That's post-adjustment for me at 81. 113 in the ECR, undrafted. Note down Tyler Johnson for yourself, folks. If you're really paying attention and you want you want a nice hot ticket, for the end of your draft, or hell, even on waivers after the draft's over early in the season, Tyler Johnson, by the end of the year, will be a factor on this team. And sorry, Scotty Miller. Sorry, sorry, Justin Watson. You guys aren't going to be seeing the field too much when Tyler Johnson rounds into form, which also hurts Gronk, just to bring yeah. it all the way back home.
0: Another one who I would grab after the first month of the year off waivers and just stash and hold on the back end of my bench. I don't necessarily need to use a draft pick on him, nope. but I 100% agree I will reference Perryman comma Brashad from the 2019 season uh, just to utilize what the slot can do for the bucks. So that's going to wrap up the NFC South Neil. since the defense is not worth talking about.
1: It is not. Although it is going at eight overall. And I'd like to tell people stop yeah. the madness. It's the bridge again. Stop, stop it. it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills.
0: Uh, so next week we'll be back to wrap up the division breakdowns with the NFC West. Neil, where can the people at you to get that bridge information on social as media? as
1: always, if you'd like to talk to me about fantasy football or buy this bridge in New York city, you can find me at nonsense underscore Neil at Twitter and the fantasy life app primarily. I am there all the time. And, uh, you can also check out our updated trade table. That'll be coming out next week with my colleague, Wes Smith, no relation for the post COVID update, as well as some of these off season moves, Make sure you're getting ready, get prepped to know what the trade value is for all these guys, especially early in the season, as Steve mentioned. There'll be these guys like Mike Evans that'll be popping up that people get frustrated by for you to buy, buy, buy.
0: Uh, Make sure you're following the site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at NonsenseFF. You can follow us in the Important Nonsense community page on the Fantasy Life app, and make sure you're subscribing to the pod wherever you listen. Leave us a five star review, and you can follow me everywhere at nonsense underscore Steve. Till next week, make sure you keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!